Escape from Plan A. I don't think there's such a thing as a Filipino male who has never been into a fight. I think it's very inherent in us. I mean, we're, we're the nicest people in the world. Filipinos, we're so accommodating, we're the nice. But, you know, once you cross that line, that's it. I mean, other cultures can stand in front of each other and shout. We can. If you're a Filipino, if you stand in front of each other, you shout, that's it. It's <laughs> going to be a punch there somewhere. So I had to clean it up. All right. What's up, Eliza? How are you, Oxford? Uh, so, introductions. I mean, you already just said it, but I'm Oxford. And I'm Eliza Romero. And welcome to the Escape from Plan A podcast. So today I want to talk to Eliza because in an, one of our previous podcasts, uh, Teen Jess and I, we talked a lot about my alt-right article and we talked uh, critically of, I think, a certain type of internet Asian liberal feminist type writer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, to be fair, we also should talk about, I think, what causes a lot of that, uh, which is like Asian guys on the internet who harass these people. And and Eliza is the perfect person to talk to because she has extensive experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Eliza, could you just give us a little background about uh, what you do and how this all started? Uh, this started about six months ago when I published a blog post called Dear Asian Women, I'm calling you out for this one. Uh, it was a really divisive opinion and it made some people really really angry and to make matters worse i'm also married to a white guy and because that dynamic is a symbol of so much that's wrong in our community some people would like me to just shut up and go away because they feel it discredits anything i have to say and when you say you got attacked what's interesting is that you got attacked pretty much from all sides well right pretty much Mm mm-hmm and like, who, who were the people? Yeah. yeah. So who were the people who were mad at you? What were they mad about? I would say Asian feminists. They didn't like that I said that Asian men were more oppressed than Asian women in our country. Mm-hmm. And then Asian men got mad at me because they found out who I was married to. And when you say Asian men are more oppressed, you meant in a kind of specific type of aspect of life right not not as an overall sense but this was more focused on say like the social social arena of american life yes definitely it's not about yeah. class it was more about race yeah it's, it's and that's where it gets so complicated because if you look at the traditional feminist narrative it's so centered on whiteness yes. and i think correctly predicated on the idea of white male dominance but when it comes to asian americans i mean that for sure there are aspects of patriarchy in Asian and Asian American culture but like the Asian man is also the feminized man and to what extent does he have and does not have male privilege and we are just totally unable to talk about that Mm -hmm. I think we just don't have the language or the concepts right Uh, so those were one contingent of very angry people at you and obviously the other part were the, the Asian guys who initially, I think, were very supportive of you, but then they found out mm-hmm. about your personal life and mm-hmm. then they did a total 180. <laughs> oh, completely. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's a very interesting point because this is seen in other minority communities as well. Um, I'm reminded, like the whole idea of if you are speaking out for your community, how much does your choice of partner matter? Right. Um. 
I see it happen a lot in the black community, especially with black men who mm-hmm. date white women. I saw this come particularly to the forefront. Um, I, I don't know if it was this year or last year when the movie The Birth of an Birth of a Nation came out. Oh, Nate Parker, right. And then mm-hmm. in the whole debate about Nate Parker, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Nate Parker uh, made this movie, Birth of a Nation. It was about the, the Nat Turner uprising. And it was initially heralded as like the great, like a, uh, the work of a great young black filmmaker. But then things came out, such as he and his friend had been accused of rape back when they were in college. And not only that, but the movie apparently was... I wouldn't say misogynistic, oh, I've never seen it, but it kind of treated female characters as almost like a prop or, or mm-hmm. a, something for the plot, and it was all about men. And uh, there was a the podcast, I, I think it was the Code Switch podcast, in which a couple of black uh, activists came on, and they were talking about the question, how much should your partner matter? And I think their conclusion was, it it's a factor, it shouldn't be the be-all end-all factor but to think that it's completely irrelevant is i mean it does raise questions in in a legitimate way what do you think i never saw the movie <laughs> oh no no i meant the idea of how much if at all should should your partner's uh, choice of partner be a factor if you are claiming to to be an activist especially within a racial community i think it matters more if you're running for public office mm-hmm. i i don't think that it matters as much I think in my case, if I'm going to talk about or call out other white male, Asian female relationships, I think that someone like me is the perfect person to talk about that dynamic because I represent that dynamic. Yeah, you can't, because I think what a lot of these Asian guys, they're they're mad at you, but I mean, they're directing their anger at you, but I don't think it's really you they're angry at. They they look at you as a symbol. Right. It's a concept. Yeah, and, and in their mind, they want this... It's almost like a, a female version of them mm-hmm. who will say and believe all the things they do, except she's she's a woman. I, I noticed it too. I, I They say that they will, they will accept a white male, Asian female relationship as long as that couple, especially the Asian female, recognizes and speaks up about issues and... When it comes to white male, Asian female relationships, they want the Asian female to understand and speak up about issues in the Asian American community, and especially the ones that concern Asian males. But then when someone does, they're still mad. I, we saw this with the, there's an article on ExoJane. I mean, I mention it all the time because I think it's one of like, the key articles that came out in recent Asian American It's from a few culture. years ago, right? Yes, but when that came out, there were so many angry Asian guys. Yeah, yeah. And they shouldn't have been mad because it was something that that they'd been arguing for a long time, which was that if the, this disparity in, in interracial relationships, mm-hmm. it, it's not based on some pure post-racial, uh, some beautiful romantic love, but there was a lot of internalized racism. And she explicitly said that, and they still got mad because all they saw was the symbolism right. or the very shallow image of here's an Asian girl talking about how she only dates white guy. And it's it's so counterproductive. Right. I, I, I see it online. I always see them saying things like, I wish, I wish Asian women would just be honest. And then... In that case, she was... Then you are honest and then you get slammed for it. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's part part of that is because they're, they're, they're just bottling up so many emotions and they don't get a chance to express it a lot. Right. Uh, and then once in a while these articles come out and then everything comes out. Their anger, their... Uh. Or like some part of them is happy, but then the other part's angry that mm-hmm. that um, this is out at all. Like some people, I think, have the idea that we have to keep it all under wraps because this isn't a, like a good look for Asian guys. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if you don't talk about it, then what's the natural assumption that everything's going well and and whatever difficulties or imbalance <laughs> is you have is just part of the natural order. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of harassment messages do you get? I get all kinds of harassment and threatening messages. I get emails, I get rape threats, I get messages telling me to kill myself, um, threats of bodily harm, personal attacks on my appearance, especially my hair, being accused (laughs) of being an attention seeker. Um, I would say every single message involves me being a race traitor for being married to a white guy. Yeah. That's um... one that's that's just every day. And they don't discuss the substance of your arguments, I never, assume. Never, never, no. Yeah, and I think this is why places online, but it's like more specifically some place like Reddit, which is kind of the epicenter of a lot of Asian American online activity right now, it's so poisonous to any dialogue because I, cause I've been on Reddit for like a couple of years, then I took a break, and then I came back when, when you know, fucking Trump got elected. Uh, but... I know of, I've seen instances in which there would be Asian female posters and they would come in and then they would be, they'd be like willing to hear the guys out and everything. Mm-hmm. But then over the course of some time, it, it just becomes too much because even if there's say a very small number of harassers, uh, if you get bombarded with them, that's gonna right it's a ton yeah it's It's a volume thing it's really easy to just eventually internalize all that all the negative comments and the personal attacks exactly and then and you become like justifiably angered by that and then your your viewpoint starts to turn and then you start finding allies with other people who've suffered this treatment and then you become polarized into Mm -hmm. the the you know bipolar world that is asian reddit right that, yeah, I just wish I could just tell all these guys to just, you know, shut the fuck up. I, I go, I don't go into Reddit very often unless, um, unless someone specifically sends me a link and points me in there. Um, yeah, all I do is lurk now. But most I think most of, of my, us do that. Most of what I see now is, um, it's like Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs, Facebook comment threads, Facebook messages, and emails. And it's going into my personal emails too not the email that I have listed on my website, which I've taken down. To what extent do you think these are kind of people who want to start? I think maybe there there are two types of harassers. One might be someone who is uh, genuinely hurt in some way and Mm -hmm. is lashing out. And I think the other part are those who do want to rile things up because they believe in some kind of supranationalist separatist movement and they, they think causing all sorts of chaos is the way to go. Do you, do you think, can you tell if there's what types of harassment emails you're getting? Is there a different flavor to them? Uh, I, I, it's really hard to say because they're all, 
Very rarely does anyone send me a message using their real name or their real picture. So mm -hmm. much of these messages, so many of these messages are anonymous. So it's like these accounts were made just to bully people online. I think that when people hide their identity like that, uh, you are, you're, you're basically, uh, it gives you a tool for bad behavior and shit posting. Well, I mean, we used to think that anonymous posting was the culprit, but then all the horrible stuff you see on Facebook. Right, right. On it Facebook, shows... it's definitely uh, some people do use their real names and their uh, their actual photos. Although there are also fake accounts, but you see some very real people in anything that's political. Mm -hmm. You see some of the most embarrassing, or I guess to us, if we said it, we'd find it embarrassing. They obviously think it's fine. I think a lot of these people do it because they um, they want to boost their reputation inside their own in-group. Like, they love getting those likes and those oh, yeah. upvotes. Jockeying for position inside mm -hmm. their inside their subgroups. Every every group has a hierarchy and in there fighting for, for some kind of purity. Mm -hmm. So, with because you said that you are in a interracial relationship, mm -hmm. um, you kind of have an insider's view mm -hmm. uh, and, and that makes you that makes you different than say an Asian woman with a very happy relationship with an Asian man supporting what Asian men say like that's great but you know that that doesn't may that's, not that's offer not, as many that insights that doesn't always happen either <laughs> oh yeah I think that I think there's a real lack of that in fact actually that's that's something interesting to talk about because often when you talk uh, well, like, for example, the thing we talked about in the last podcast with the certain types of online Asian liberal feminists who didn't like my article, one of their mm -hmm. common arguments will be some, like, the majority of Asian women are with Asian men and they'll love and support them. And I actually agree with that. The, the stats generally point that out. Yet we rarely seem to hear from them. And I have several theories of why that is, but I'm interested to hear from you. I think they tend to take it for granted. Mm -hmm. like, what do you mean? Oh. Um, I would say a lot of the Asian female, Asian male relationships that in my own social circle, they rarely ever talk about race ever. It doesn't is it because ever. is it because they're, it's so assumed that are they living in a bubble or are they afraid to talk about it? Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe complacency. Because if you're the type of Asian person who is perfectly comfortable with you know asian friends asian mm -hmm. partner like this whole asian american subculture what little of it exists in america uh -huh. you're probably the person who's never been tortured by race the people who are tortured by race are the people who have this kind of fixation with white people uh -huh. right because that's the that's the main way you will experience it right and i know because I, I can tell from personal experience because you know, growing up, there were times when I, I did want to fit in, didn't particularly like what I perceived erroneously at the time to be like my ethnic culture passed down to me by my parents. Because that's a very difficult thing. I think a lot of Asian Americans grow up with if you only see your your like Asian Americanness or Asianness portrayed by your parents, inevitably you're going to grow up and have conflicts with your parents and then you associate that with them. Right. So then you try to fit in and then when you do try to kind of interact with that world and fit in, that's when you really start upfront noticing whatever inequalities or just 
the ways you're treated differently. And right, it's like these you're are the simultaneously, people. it's like you simultaneously stick out uh, while at the same time being invisible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so w- one of the things I would really like to see, and I think may curb this, this uh, these like fountains of outrage that, that swell from some of these Asian guys is if we saw more women like that speak out in support but obviously something is getting in the way. Right. What, what do you think those things are? Well, every time I see a woman speak out, I notice that whenever there's a negative comment in there, it's always going to be, who is her partner? What race is her partner? Mm-hmm. What's her dating preference? Mm-hmm. But I, I'm talking about, say, an Asian woman with an Asian guy. Actually, the, uh, uh, that... Back? Yeah. They don't consider it. They don't have to. I remember that that ExoJane article I referenced that came out. Actually, there was a counter article that was posted soon after. It was by this writer named Clarissa Y. She's, I think, mainly a food writer for various uh, magazines and publications. But her article was, like the headline was, I'm an Asian woman and I think my Asian boyfriend is awesome. So it was a direct argument against the Jenny Ahn article, which is, I think, what all these Asian guys want to see. But the interest level in those two articles was so lopsided. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, I didn't... like I think if I go back to the Jenny Ahn article, I think there are probably comments still going on that. It's like like three thousand or something. Then <laughs> go to the Clarissa Y article, which which is kind of written a bit tongue in cheek. Uh, it was yeah, it wasn't just a straight up, a, a straight laced rebuttal. But that garnered much less attention, even though it should have gotten just as much considering how rare those types of articles are but it's it's you know anger is is money right <laughs> people people love getting angry mm-hmm. so i think that that's one of the like one is that a they may not be thinking about it b they the danger of harassment is too high like even if you're with uh like with an asian man they might say well what about before or before or before and it might just be this never-ending right <laughs> yeah witch hunt <laughs> Down, down the the history and three i think another important thing is there's just no platform because if you think about it who really wants to hear that mainly asian men right and, mm-hmm. and maybe some asian women but nobody else is interested everyone just wants to hear from like the asian woman slagging on asian guys right that's so that's what everybody's entertained yeah and that's what everyone's entertained by obviously white guys are gonna love hearing that pretty much any non-Asian guys gonna love hearing that and I think other women they have this idea of Asian men as being kind of backwards and patriarchal or either just irrelevant so why would anybody care right right and so there's just no platform like if, if you're a freelance writer and you're trying to pitch an article to any of the online publications and you try to do something promoting Asian couples or whatever and you're an Asian woman I'm gonna bet the interest is very low Right. I mean, the interest is so low, just writing about Asian American issues anyway. Exactly. And so you got to find whatever so has, foothold right. you can. It has to be the most sensationalized. And yeah. And there are certain um, certain proven ways to, to kind of titillate the masses, mm-hmm. which is why I think it's important that things like Plan A and, and other publications who are more dedicated to cultivating Asian American dialogue just right. for its sake, like fuck the ads or or whatever the mainstream thinks we're doing this for us by us 
Because mm-hmm. I think there is a huge audience out there, um, at least in terms of the percentage of the Asian American population. Because, yeah, if the majority of us are like this, are in Asian Asian relationships, we do wanna, we do wanna hear about it. We do wanna see ourselves talked about, rather than the only time we're ever relevant is if we're with a white partner, even even an, an Asian man, if if ever he gets a platform, he ha- it has to somehow be linked to whiteness doesn't necessarily have to be with a partner but it can never like just asian is not good enough i think we're sick of that message so i guess what uh i think an important question that you can maybe help us out was what do you think asian guys can do to kind of one stop this kind of harassment and be show asian women that like not all of us are not all of us are like this that we come in good faith and because you know it like for people like us, I'm talking about Asian guys, like, mm-hmm. this doesn't really help us either because it just causes both sides to... It Right, it just pushes, yeah. it just makes us all, it makes women and men just, uh, we just repel each other even more. Right. And it just keeps happening. Yeah, and it's not like it should all be on you, but maybe you can elaborate more on just from your perspective, what do you think Asian guys can do? I think that when an Asian woman says something sympathetic or questions something or wants to have an honest dialogue and is seeking insight, it sounds like common sense, but, um, you know, just don't start off with the assumption that she is self-hating, that she doesn't respect Asian men, that she's unaware, that she's against you. Um, If you start attacking her immediately and accusing her of those things, you'll just push away anyone who could be helpful and sympathetic to your cause. And then there is no conversation because she never will hear your insight. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's anything they can do to get over maybe some of their personal, maybe some personal histories that they're projecting onto you? Or is that something they have to figure out amongst themselves? Or maybe something that Asian guys, maybe this is a guy thing. We have to, we have to talk to them. I mean, that's a guy, maybe that's a guy thing. I mean, I think that, I think that having having these kinds of dialogues that don't turn into attacks from both sides is is one way to do it. But you you definitely you know Asian women can't attack Asian men, and Asian men can't attack Asian women if there's there's nowhere there's nowhere to mm-hmm. go from there. And the thing I was talking about, I think what is lacking in Asian American culture is this kind of like a like a mentorship between. Asian men and I think that's something mm-hmm. maybe kind of like the like people who are younger but still maybe on the older end of younger who've gone through the whole second generation thing it, it, for them to reach out I think especially if, if like the younger guys like I, I know what it was like to you know be like 19 and and all that uh, to have that especially because a lot of our immigrant parents can't give us that it's not their fault it's not their fault right uh, so, they, they have other, right, they have other priorities. Yeah, and, and they just don't know how to navigate this world. And it's not fair to expect them to to do it. And that's how you end up with, like, that our Asian parent stories garbage, which is just, yeah. Oh, I, I've never heard of that one before. Oh, it's, it's a whole subreddit uh, dedicated to Asian kids talking about how horrible their parents are. Yeah, I th- mm. and I think that The stuff I've read about me online and the stuff that I've read about my marriage... Is like, I mean, where are you getting this from? <laughs> this is just what all that you assume, you know? Like, oh, Eliza Romero just 
she says this, but she prefers white guys. And I mean, one of the things that people don't know is that just because I married a white guy doesn't mean that my preference was white guys. My preference has always been Asian guys, but you don't always marry your preference. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really broke it down and you ask, you ask any woman, what's her preference? It's like how many, how many women are gonna say, "Oh, my preference is like a millionaire," and how many of them uh-huh. actually marry millionaires? <laughs> <laughs> or like if you ask a dude, like, "Oh, my preference is models," and how many dudes actually marry models? I think that's also that just stems from a classic gender divide in how men and women pursue partners. Mm-hmm. I think men, because we're always conditioned to always be active and going after people, right. we assume women are exactly the same. In that, because I, I think one thing we don't understand about women is it's it's a lot trickier, right? You can't just go up to people like guys can. I mean, some might, but, you know, generally speaking. You probably uh, won't. Right, we probably, probably won't. won't. I mean, they, they make all these dating apps for women in which they can make the first move, and, and they have to. That's the only way you can talk to people you match with, and they still don't do it. It's so socially ingrained. So, yeah, if, if a woman says, I prefer these guys, but for whatever reason, at, at the time in my life when I was looking for something serious or I wanted to get married, like the right person didn't come and ask me out. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's something guys just never think about, and exactly. I think partly, yeah, and I think partly clouding that is you do get these bad faith rationales by certain, I think Asian women who say, "Oh, Asian guys never ask me out," um, e- and either it seems like they're lying or they that was only true because they they made sure never to be within like thirty feet of an Asian guy. But that yeah, they're right. I mean, so those like like bad faith actors, they they muddy up the waters yeah. i do i do see that from asian from asian girls where there's they'll say oh an uh, asian guy never pursued me and then you look at their circle of friends and it's like where are the asian <laughs> guys in your circle it's like a, it's like a force field <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah and i think that's the baggage that a lot of asian guys mm-hmm. um grow up with and then it just it just builds up um like I think the the paranoia over I think Asian like fake uh, activists and Asian women something like like the Gina Cho incident which in I guess in mainstream cultures is not so Gina Cho was a contestant on America's Next Top Model okay, now I, I think remember. this was some I remember yeah <laughs> and then and then I mean she's kind of infamous in Asian American circles because she like the first thing she says when she goes up to Tyra and the panel is. I want. I'm. I never see Asian models. Uh, I want to represent Asian Americans as being strong and sexy and all that. And out of nowhere, she just says, "I don't date Asian guys." <laughs> and to her credit, and to the whole panel's credit, they, she just got totally obliterated for that. It's like, what the hell? You? How can you say that? Oh, I want to be yeah. strong Asian, but I only want white boys. Yeah. I mean, that's all. I don't think she said I only like white guys, but I mean, that's probably. It's that's implied. The, it, I, yeah, I think it's obvious. It's usually so right. I think, <laughs> the girls that say that there is there's a pattern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't see them with a lot of say indigenous Mexican guys. Or like <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's those types of experiences that build up within these Asian guys, and then and then someone like you or Jenny On or mm-hmm. or 
whoever comes along. And then that's what I mean by the symbolism. No, I understand it and I see it and I wrote about it and then I still get. <laughs> mm -hmm. And in all fairness, they should look at what you've written and your, your genuine interest in all this and they should say, okay, like we should hear her out, but all they, I think, see is this suspicion and paranoia that's been that's been um, building up in their life and not not without just cause every Asian guy has that experience sometime in like mm -hmm. maybe late elementary school whenever you know people are hitting puberty and and you know the whole rules of social interaction are changing they I'm sure everyone has that experience whether it's direct or more subtle where they, they get put down by another Asian girl and that I mean that's very it affects you a lot because you're pretty much being put down by you think the one per, one type one demographic who's not your immediate tribal group which is like asian guy you would think hey we grew up with you if i mean it's mm -hmm. it's not okay but i can kind of understand if outsiders uh think various things about us but if you think it that's the ultimate validation of of everything they're saying and and that's right. it, it it's like a right. toxin that builds up and and when, when, once you get older, it, it's hard to get rid of that. It, it takes a lot of work and a lot of dialogue, which I think has to get started. It's right. Just getting to getting to the actual discussion itself has been such a battle. First, anytime I say anything now, that's um, it's it just comes up. You know, I wrote an article where I was calling out Lily Mae Mac and then and it was like the same thing. It's like, oh, but Elias WMAF. And it's like, what's that have to do with Lily Mae Mac? Wait, <laughs> oh, were they trying to discredit your opinion on her because of your own relationship? Right, what I'm saying is that they discredit any opinion mm, of mine now. Yeah. And that's, it doesn't matter what I talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's such a, that's way too simplistic of you, right? I mean, even, so that article I wrote about MLMs, multi-level oh, no. marketing <laughs> companies, there were, some, yeah, even that one, there were some emails that were coming in where it's like, oh, you're a WMAF, you're such a Lou, shut up. And I was like, what on earth does that have to do with me talking about pyramid schemes? Oh, just for anyone who's not familiar with the word, you just said Lou and Chan are kind of like Asian Reddit's equivalent of an Uncle Tom and and I guess a, like a bed wench. Is that what... The black community would would call it, kind of kind of like. I have no uh, idea. Essentially, people. A bed wench. Yeah, is isn't that what they called, uh, I, I guess black female slaves who, slept or were mistresses to their owners. Anyway, I may be revealing my ignorance here, so I won't talk anymore. <laughs> but it's essentially another word for like a racial sellout or like someone who who, who kind of tap dances. Female uncle Tom. Yeah, like, I don't know. Tap dances for. For I white think people. That's, I think that's the way it was explained to me was just female mm -hmm. Uncle Tom. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so okay. Eliza, you talked about how I mean like Facebook is one of the the main ways you get harassed. Like can you tell us more about how that works? Oh yeah. In the comment threads, definitely. Um, a lot of it depends on those initial comments. Uh, because people don't read articles. They respond to the headline, they respond to the photo, and they respond especially to other comments. So if those first initial comments are negative, it just becomes a pylon and then everybody starts ganging up. And then the, the people who, who do support you, um, they will 
probably be a lot more hesitant to say anything because they don't want to get ganged up on either and it gets toxic so fast. I see. So the first comment sets the tone for the rest. Right. Uh, like when, when Next Shark posted my most recent article about white men, I mean, I'm sorry, white females and Asian men, very first comment was, why the fuck did she dye her hair blonde then? <laughs> very first one. And then it just went from there the personal attacks. No one clicked. Hardly anyone actually read it. And they send you personal messages through Facebook as well? They do. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically what you can do if um, when you report any harassment on the platform that they occur on, you have to take a screenshot. So, you know, sometimes I will, you know, a lot of times I will go in and I'll read the messages that people send me. Because sometimes people who don't want to, they don't want to write a positive comment because they don't want to get ganged up on, uh -huh. they'll put it in a private message and tell you that they read your article and these are the points that they would like to have a conversation about. What's the value uh, of seeing an Asian guy stick up for you in that situation? Like, does it mean a lot to you? Yeah, it does. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I think that's one of... I think that's one of the problems with, with both sides in that, in like, say, Reddit, if, if there's a certain, um, like, kind of like gender-based fighting going on, and mm -hmm. then an Asian woman just says, like, nothing too, like, too extreme, but just says, I hear what you're saying, you're not crazy. That goes a long, long way. It, but I th It does feel very good to, to hear that because what it says is that he... He definitely has considered pretty much every angle and he has put aside his own his own feelings to hear I mean, there's there's it's empathy mm -hmm. but I think what holds people back from that is I think well some of them just might be fearful of backlash but I think a lot of people kind of assume that the other side knows it and I, I try to think of um, in, in terms of a lot of the more mainstream feminist debates like say about reproductive rights or you know equal pay, um, uh, maternity leave, things like that. Uh, like I kind of assume, well, they probably know I support that. Like why? And if I just say, I, yeah, I support you, I feel like that's that's so shallow and so unthinking. Like that that's like a waste of their time almost. But I, I do think it would mean a lot for them if they did that. And I think we also see it when non Asians. Um, mm -hmm kind of back us up on something that we think is very obvious and right mm -hmm. but for them to just say again hey you're not crazy okay um other people see it too that goes a very long way and i think if but people don't right people don't people tend to not comment like that and i think it's a mix of fear and uh, i'm not really contributing anything here am i right mm -hmm. like if i were to say mm -hmm. go to a like a black lives matter post and say I'm Asian and I, and I support BLM. I might be thinking, right. well, that doesn't add anything to it. Uh, but there are probably people who'd see that and then say... To the person that posted it or wrote the article, it means a lot. Yeah, and then that person will say, hey, here's here's an Asian guy with ostensibly not that many direct connections to, to the things we're protesting. But if he supports us and he sees it, then you know there's something to what we're saying. So I think going forward one of the things everyone can do is just keep that in mind it's not obvious to the other side what we're thinking 
mm-hmm. especially if we're a part of the out group, if we're not in their immediate circle of sympathizers. Mm-hmm. You know, we shouldn't assume that they can read our minds or that our actions are so obvious. So it's something as basic as saying, yeah, you're Just, you're right. right. Mm-hmm. Or I, I see your point. Mm-hmm. I think that would help a lot. I get a lo- I do get a lot of those in private messages and I wish that they would just go in the comment thread because it would because the it would balance out the negative and then people would actually start to have a conversation instead of just a pylon of negative comments and ad hominem. Do you think comments are good in general just for articles on the on the <laughs> internet? Sometimes but uh <laughs> I think that I think you and I both know that um, we can tell that majority of people commenting didn't read our articles. Yeah, I, what Eliza was referring to is my my last alt right article, which got shared on mm-hmm. by Alag, and the vast vast majority of comments just read the headline and thought my article was saying, "Hey right. guys, everybody, like panic! There, there's like there's a horde of Asian guys, and they're all joining the alt right." <laughs> Because uh, the picture showed a, a bunch of, I think they were Mongolians doing the Heil Hitler salute, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. the article was like, "What if Asian American men fall to the alt right?" There were so many useless comments saying, especially bringing up Japan and World War Two, because that, of the vice, because of the vice video. Yeah, and I and I think before. they remember like eleventh grade history or something, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, it all makes sense because Japan allied with. Germany. I mean, well, first of all, like most Asian Americans aren't Japanese Americans. So <laughs> I don't know what yeah. what significance that has to do with that. In fact, most of the in World War Two, most of the Asian countries hated Japan. So. Just to sound smart, that's all it is. Yeah, it, it's like this very shallow pseudo intellectual observation from someone who never even read the article. But then it always makes commenters who did read it just so much more thankful to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love the people that shared your article and completely got the message just yeah oh wait wrong, wrong. just completely oh, twisted well, up who, who are you talking about you know who I'm talking about oh okay we, we talked about them a lot um, in the in the last podcast I think that's um, that's fine there's a there's um, that happens pretty often I see when when I when I'll take a look at who's been sharing my articles, and then I'll see that they'll write their own caption, but get it completely wrong. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and then that's what people respond to, rather than actually clicking on the article to read it. <laughs> okay, so Eliza, to wrap things up, um, what do you think people should do if they're getting harassed, especially if they're female? Because you know, generally, it's it's women who get harassed way more than men. It's it's women, people of color, and activists that get it that get it really really bad. Um, so it, the advice that's out there isn't it isn't that great. A lot of people say that you should just delete all your accounts and get offline as if it's your own fault. But yeah, that sounds that's defeatist. Not, that's not right. That's not a solution. That's not realistic. Our livelihoods are so online dependent now. Um, it's almost impossible to report this stuff to online admins because they deal with a huge amount of it. So they pass it on, they tell you to block the person, um, they minimize and they trivialize it. Um, I think that they do this because they, they can't keep up with how much of it 
have with how much of it goes on in online spaces um you know a lot of times there'll be a facebook group with like 12,000 members and there's only 12 mods <laughs> you know how can they handle all of it and and of course those mods have other lives outside of that group like they have a full-time job they have families what being a um, facebook mod is not a lucrative profession <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't think that um i think that the law has been really slow to keep up with technology too yeah i mean there's this whole cloud of, of free speech that always gets mm-hmm. in the way right i mean I, yeah. if if we were to if people if police were to start investigating every single time a female is harassed online that's all they would ever do so so what can you do um we have to document it you have to you do have to keep the screenshots and it's it's pretty awful um it's really emotionally difficult to keep all the screenshots of disgusting things that people have sent you in like a little folder on your phone or an album on your phone Um, I think I said it earlier in the podcast that when you report these attacks on the platform that they occur on, the admins will always ask for a screenshot of the incident. And this is because the person that posted that negative comment or that abusive comment can easily just delete it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're friends with someone who's being harassed, you should also report it because if enough people report the same thing, the faster the admins will actually do something about it. Um, if it's an email form, I, I saw that Gmail has a policy in place for email harassment. And there's a page on Google to report any email abuse from another another Gmail user. It just takes a long time. But I think that um, if you are being harassed, just like don't even retaliate or engage. Yeah. Actually, I have a very interesting question for you. Because mm-hmm. as I said before, I have seen instances in which um, Asian women who get harassed um, after a certain like uh, they they start off more sympathetic to Asian guys, mm-hmm. but then over time um, that sympathy pretty much withers away because yeah. I think a lot of it because of these attacks. I guess why why are you like you you've had to deal with this, but what makes you want to keep doing this as opposed to you know just saying fuck all you guys? Well, it's instinctive to act. To react defensively to people attacking you on the internet, but it's a lot easier easier to figure out how to um, depersonalize the criticism. Over over time, I realized that their anger says more about their own personal life than mine. Um, someone also told me that other people's rage has to do with the difficult topics that I write about, the ones that the ones that challenge cultural norms. When you first wrote that Dear Asian Women article. You, you know, Plan A didn't exist and you, you weren't on Reddit or anything. Did you, mm-hmm. did you have like a support group of Asian guys? And if so, did that help a lot? No. Oh. I didn't have a support group. Oh, that's... <laughs> uh, I, when, I, when, I put that, when I put that blog post out, well, first I'd already been blogging for about two years. So I probably had enough people following me that somebody had dropped it into several of the Asian Facebook groups. And then it just snowballed from there because um, when I woke up the next morning, I had like 
1,000 notifications on <laughs> Facebook. And then what I does that had, feel like? Um, Is that a sense of dread or excitement or both? Dread. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> and then there was like text messages from my friends that said, oh my God, you're on LLAG. Oh my God, I'm seeing you all over. I'm seeing your I'm seeing your article being shared all over the place. Um, I did get I did get some supportive emails from people who I would say have dealt with this before mm-hmm. with going with going viral. So I would say like I got emails from people that were like in the writing group at um, Good Morning America and Jimmy Fallon's writing group. Wait, too. what? That said that they read it. Wow, really? Were these Asian people? I have, They didn't say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from their names, not all of them were Asian. Oh, that's really cool. Some of them were black women. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah black women just, just get it. Mm-hmm, they just get they everything. Do. And they, they wrote, I mean, they wrote to me about the parallels that they see in the black community. But, um, yeah, there was... Um, the next, the next few days after that article broke, there was a lot of harassment, but there was also a lot of support. So I didn't really have a support group, but there were people that just got it, you know? Yeah. And they would write to me and tell me that. And then Teen was, um, I got Teen's email about a week after that too. I see. And I was initially afraid because when he asked me to pod with him, I was like, oh God, <laughs> is he going to just bring me on? And like... Mm-hmm tear me down no that uh, yeah i really enjoyed that podcast that was that was really can't remember the last time i heard something like that thanks and then i met um through him i met all of you guys yeah so that was a that was a very good connection that was forged through all this okay well i think we are about to wrap up i'm very glad i didn't cough throughout this because i mean the weather has suddenly gotten cold and then and, and on friday i was at a friend's birthday party at this bar and it was so loud i was just shouting for like two three hours yeah (laughs) so my uh, so the day after my i felt the vocal cords all strained yeah but i think we managed to get through this podcast fine (laughs) i mean manny pacquiao is just an example of just one of the boxes he's he's one of the lucky guys that was given a good break and he had a good head i've seen so many boxers way more talented than manny pacquiao they just didn't have a good head Sometimes they just have bad manners. You know, when, when we fix that, we're going to have like, 